Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Vergopoulos. And this is Oeuvre Busters. Maybe? Is it? How does one, you know, when we were... No, when I was telling people about the show early on, they were like, well, what are you busting? And I was like, come again? They were like, it's called Oeuvre Busters. What are you busting? And I was like, oeuvres. There's so, there's never a day though that that I don't regret our our the name of our podcast. <laughs> really, I like our podcast name. What would you what What do you think would be better? Um, watching movies with dudes. Nice, just, yeah, I nice. like that. Nice. Speaking of watching movies, we watched <laughs> nice. We watched, we watched uh, uh, two. You know what? You know we could we do have a tagline that we never say, which is Uberbusters deep dives by dialectical dudes, See? and in the interest of being dialectical. We're going to talk about two movies today. And we're going to move through the entire process of, of, of a um, thesis, antithesis, and eventually an all-encompassing synthesis. synthesis. Oh, nice. People are, if, you're, if, you're, if you're still listening, stop now. Um, George, what movies are we talking about today? So we're talking about two films, Liam. We are talking about Snow Trail, which is the first film that Toshiro Mifune stars in, and with the screenplay by... Uh, Akira Kurosawa, and Correct. then we're talking Directed about by Senkichi right. Taniguchi. Um, have you seen any of his other films? By the nope, way, no, I, I have not. This is my first Taniguchi movie. Uh-huh. And we are then going to discuss Shinshiro Sugata, which is uh, Kurosawa's first film from uh, 1943. Snow Trail is from 1947. Yeah, you kind of started with the second movie, which I thought was kind of a Bush League move, but that's, that's fine. How I roll. We'll just take it that's from there. <laughs> yeah, Sanshiro Sugata, also called Judo Saga, um, which was, yeah, the first film that Kurosawa directed. Let's. So here's what I propose. I propose. I propose. Maybe. Um, I think before we... So the first film stars, um, since this series is about uh, Mufune and... Kurosawa, we should start by talking a little bit about the facts. We should we should talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant being Susumu Fujita, who is oh. the star of Sanchiro Sugata. Yes. Um, I, thought you t- I thought you meant uh, Babar. Babar, yeah. Let's, let's talk about yeah. the. <laughs> it's weird that he's in your. Wait a minute, is that is that <laughs> Babar behind you? The, 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 Babar's been canceled, by the way. Of course. Why? 
Oh, it's Jesus. like a, it's like an allegory for like French colonialism. Is this, am I the first one oh, telling you this? I, I, I mean, I haven't, believe it or not, I haven't thought about Babar that much in the past 20. I've got other things going on. Dude, I, have a hit, all... I have a podcast listened to da- dozens of people, listened to now by that, dozens of people. Now that I've solved the Grimace conundrum, I'm moving on to the, the you Babar. Haven't. I need to see. I just, <laughs> okay, let's not go down the Grimace road. Um, so real quick, I was last night after we, we recorded an episode yesterday, I went online and I was reading Toshiro Mifune's um, obituary from the New York uh-huh. Times. Toshiro Mifune died in 1997. Um, on uh, The obituary was published on Christmas, so he died right around Christmas. And it's worth reading. It's an interesting little thing. And there's something in it that I thought I would read real quickly, and I thought it might be an interesting thing to think about as we talk about this and every other movie. Um, Japanese... Uh, cinema obviously like every cinema has you know some roots in its theater and there is this interesting sort of thing in kabuki theater which is a sort of Mm -hmm. classical japanese style and i thought i'd read this quote because it made me think about it a little bit um this is about mifune his screen persona had deep roots in classical japanese drama it was a cinematic expression of a long-standing dramatic Mm. figure known as the tateyaku a heroic leading man emerging from medieval samurai tales and epic military romances in contrast to the nimaami a more soft-spoken and romantic hero the tateyaku is courageous iron-willed, and self-sacrificing. To this, Mr. Huh. Mifune brought a sense of ironic self-knowledge and intense sexuality, which Whoa. I thought was super interesting because we spent a bunch of time in our... There's a lot of different um, kind of ways that this is written about. There's also this thing in kabuki theater called the Aragoto, which is like a, a, a great hero of the kabuki tradition, and their face makeup is quite bold. And you can see this in some Japanese cinema... Um, and then there's the Wagoto, which is like a softer, gentler character. And this got me thinking a little bit about our Philip Seymour Hoffman alpha, be- alpha beta kind of correlation mm-hmm. that we've talked about before. And it almost seems like those character types were like really clearly defined in the Kabuki tradition, which I just thought was an interesting place to start from because early in his career, Kurosawa's films predominantly starred Susumu Fujita before he moved over to Mufune. And it's kind uh, of an interesting mm-hmm. way to think about because there's also the fact that it seems like Mufune had like a cerebral relationship to these definitions. Like he feels like in some ways a really modern, ac- uh, modern film character or modern film actor, I guess I should say. And this, this, this might be an interesting way to think about him. So I thought I would share that because I was reading about that last night. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So, sorry, just to, just to clarify, so in comparison to these two actors, you mean in the sense that, they, that they're both in some sort of way like representations of different aspects of Kurosawa's personality or that they... No, a tra- um, I guess a Japanese tradition. Oh, in the Japanese tradition. And okay. they, they seem to like, you know, again, I'm looking at this through my lens, but it seems like there seems to be a correlation with the alpha, beta male kind of type. And I think... It's it's gonna be interesting to think about whether we would view um, Toshiro Mifune as kind of a Tateyaku, the heroic leading man, bold type, mm-hmm. versus the Nimami, which is like a more self soft spoken kind of character. Like I think he straddles those two, and I think it'll be interesting yeah. to talk about. I I mean, even in something like Snow Trail too, where I think the characters for the most part like very one dimensional, he does do a great job. I think of bringing like 
nuance to the character. Mm. So, th- so he's both kind of obviously um, threatening and kind of um, cocky and self-assured, but there are also like these moments of vulnerability. Right. So like, I tw- it's funny too, because I tweeted out like one of those moments where like he spits like in disdain. God, yeah, he's such a beautiful and human to yeah he, he's, a, he's like a basically beautiful man but also like in that like spitting in the stain there's just so much that he does yes with his face and his body posture and it's like just so fucking amazing like there's like five seconds where he encompasses like all these feelings of like again like disdain and um right uh vulnerability and um just attitude it's just a great fucking moment i think a great way to to start with this would be to begin by talking about sanjiro sugata because i think let's it might be interesting to look at that film and specifically the male performance in that before and then we can jump forward because we're gonna move away from kind of like susumu fujita was is in a bunch of kurosawa movies including some movies that mifune is in as well so it'll be interesting to kind of see that do you want to give a quick Shansiro Sugata plot summary. Yeah, sure. So um, Sanjiro basically just tells the story of this uh, young dude, the titular Sanjiro Sugata, who is looking for a jujitsu master. Um, he does eventually kind of like find this master, and he has to like quickly learn that jujitsu is not just simply all about like uh, the physicality or the brawn or the natural strength that he possesses, but that it's about all these other kind of like emotional and philosophical issues that come with it eventually what happens is he gets kind of romantically involved with this woman who um whose whose father he has to eventually fight and he he does fight this um older man he kind of beats the shit out of him um and then this eventually kind of leads to a a final battle with this other um gentleman um whose name i forget i think it's higaki higaki yeah yeah who plays this kind of almost um like other like judo master who has been kind of like haunting him um, throughout like the entirety of the movie. And it kind of ends there. And it's all in many ways, it's kind of like almost like a conventional kind of martial arts. And I put that in. I think marks it's a film. sports movie, but oh, um, it's a sports movie. I want to talk about it as I a guess, sports movie. Like as a Rocky S kind of sports. movie. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of a sports movie. Um, co- You're right. You know what? At some point he, ta- he says it's a sport too. It's, 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 well, or at one, least in the translation. One thing we should mention briefly is that he, he, plans to become a jujitsu student and ends up becoming a judo student. And that was like a, a, an important distinction because as I understand, it's, it's a different form and the film takes place in like the late 1800s. And at that time, uh, judo was kind of an evolving art. It was like evolving martial art and um, a lot more people were doing jujitsu. And so for his decision to study judo is not what he'd planned on in the first Right, yeah. In there the is first. an interesting kind of, at least kind of tension, it seems, between like more traditional forms and I guess more like modern forms. Like and the it, film is yeah. like attempted to make a commentary on that. I mean, the other thing also is like this film was made in 1943, so the war is still going on. Yes. So, I mean, it's fascinating, I think, just to think about it in those kind of contexts. And there was a sequel, which I didn't see. Part two. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in seeing it, but also in that film, interestingly enough, and this is only from the Criterion thumbnail, apparently he fights Americans. I've heard that. So, yeah, I, I, I did yeah, not yeah. get a chance to watch it. A um, couple of quick things about this. Uh, it was directed by Akira Kurosawa as his first film. So the way that things worked in Japan uh, around this time, 
which is different from the U- the U.S., though there were maybe more similarities then, is you would be an assistant director was kind of a, was what you started as in the system, and you'd kind of do whatever you had to do. Assistant directors in the U.S. are function more as like, let's say like on not producers, but have sort of very specific tasks. Assistant directors in Japan in the 30s and 40s would like do whatever the director, even some directing and stuff. This is the first feature he did. He apprenticed under a guy named Kajiro Yamamoto who made a lot of films, who helped him write work on this. Uh, Kurosawa wrote and directed this movie. He apparently wrote it in a single sitting. It's an adaptation of a book by Mushashishi Miyamoto. And it was produced by Kiji Matsuzaki. Um, The cast... The cast, Sususumu Fujita as Shanshiro Sugata, um, Denjiro Okochi as Shigoro Yano. Shigoro Yano is the judo, ma- dojo, do- the judo master that he stunder- studies underneath. Yukiko Todoroki as Sayu Morai. Sayu Morai is the daughter of Hansuki Morai, who's the older man that uh, Shanshiro Sugata has to fight in this sort of regional competition. Uh, Ryonosuke Sukigata as Genosuke Higaki, the sort of villain who is controversial because he was westernized. There was like some controversy about him being a westernized character. And um, Kokuten Kodo as the priest, which is interesting because Kokuten Kodo plays the priest, the Buddhist priest in this film, but also plays the grandfather in Snow Trail. Mm, It's the same actor. And he's in, if you go back and watch Kurosawa films, he's in like a ton of them he always plays like the old guy um and then last but not least another actor who's in both films the great takashi shimura as hansuki mirai kurosawa remains there yeah we're going to be talking about him as much as we're going to be talking about mifune he made more films with mifune than he made with kurosawa it's just funny because I was thinking about like at some point yesterday I was also like, oh wait, we could just do an entire season about him in relationship to Kurt. Yeah, to I Kurt mean he's in well. he's in everything, and I think yeah. he's equally as important. Um, so there's 17 minutes of this movie that are missing. There are, yeah. And it feels when you're at a certain point, you're like, who is that? Who is that person well, is, in this movie? Is that what all like the inter like the interstitial interstitials titles? are about? Yeah, they were there yeah. to fill in the gaps. But there's a woman who's a, who appears who's the daughter of a of another guy, and. It's it's a little confusing in terms of the story. I, I I wonder if the movie would be better without those titles if it were a little more elliptical. I don't know. I'm sort of mixed on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it is also. I mean, not that obviously this film isn't doing interesting things, but it's also like 1943. This is clearly like meant to be like a piece of entertainment. Right. I guess what I'm saying is like the elliptical kind of stuff that you're asking for seems to be like later Kurosawa, like later more experimental kind of well like i think also they just lost the print was damaged so there was yeah, no way yeah. to get that kind of stuff back um what did you think of the movie so i i en- i uh, i enjoyed it i didn't i didn't love it mm-hmm. um there were parts of it where i was like i wonder what's happening on twitter <laughs> i'm not gonna lie there but there were there were like these f- few scenes though that were really to me powerful and mm. That to hmm. me were like quintessential Kurosawa, and at yes. the very, and at the very end, like to, to give like one brief example. So at the very end, when he um, kills uh, the villain, and you get like these really kind of like interesting. Well, you just get like these almost like panorama shots of like the landscapes and of like these individuals within these fields, and it reminded me a lot of like some of the shots in Ron. Yeah, the kind of moments that stop the forward momentum of the movie. Yeah, but also just kind of the the way that he, at least in some of his films, he places like humans within the, like a natural landscape. Yeah, to yes. kind of show a certain kind of diminished 
there's quality, a lot of insert shots in in both of these movies and i know that kurosawa mm-hmm. was watching dailies of snow trail while it was being edited and being like reshoot reshoot do this he was like very involved and you know there's definitely not a blanket style to japanese cinema but you can see kind of like the some of the insert shots and the framings as consistent like uh, i sometimes think that in like the modern kind of way that we think about shooting and filming things like cuts to objects feel very like obvious and there's a there's an insert shot of a, of a gun in snow trail that i don't know if you remember it it's like during a tense moment between two characters where you're like this this cut is like motivated but like not motivated within the context of the movie but i sort of appreciate the way i think a great example of this in this film is there's a sequence where he wants to imply the passage of time from when Shansi, uh, when Sugata meets Yano and he uses mm-hmm. a sandal, the movement of a sandal. Yes, I love that. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, it and the is, stuff like yeah. that make this movie worth, worth, worth getting through because you can see kind of his ability to deal with time and the passage of time and stuff like that. And I, I liked it. It's, it's very melodramatic, but the scene where he's in the pond and he's yes. just stuck there and he looks over and he sees that flower and it's right. this kind of it's this like beautiful like rev- revelatory moment where he's like, oh, okay, that's what it's about, right? It's about like this kind of the persistence of like this natural force of this thing that kind of like exists beyond the physical. I mean, that was like to me also like very very Kurosawa esque. This kind of idea that like we're in the shit, we're in the mire, but there is potentially or occasionally a kind of transcendent beauty in the world that we can sometimes access. Yeah, I think that that's definitely like a, a key thing. Um to a lot of Kurosawa films is like the kind of like, you know, this movie's kind of about the testing of someone's Zen to some extent. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we forget that like that has kind of a specific kind of meaning, which is like presence or poise to some extent, the way that I understand it. But like one thing that jumped out to me and I was actually, I thought about, believe it or not, while watching this, I thought a little bit about Malcolm X, Spike uh. Lee's film um, which I re- watched recently, um, and I thought about. Have you ever heard this term? Uh, this you you probably have because you're a teacher. Bill Dung's Roman. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, these are both Bill Dung's Roman. It's a movie, not not yeah. Snow Trail, but this yeah. movie. It's because they're movies. They're movies, or they're really novels that deals with someone's like f- spiritual education or like their formative years, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Th- good point. Yeah. Is Boyhood a Kind of, yeah, kind of I guess one, or um, what are the, the Apu trilogy are kind of examples of that. Like that, this really feels like that to me. It's about like a, 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 in this case, a man coming into his own and kind of like becoming aware of his own, of, of like his spiritual life or his life to some extent. Yeah, no, totally. And I think it does like a great job of, again, making it a, like you could see that Kurosawa is dealing with what is like the source material which obviously I don't know, <laughs> but, right. but it, I'll it, buy you a copy of the buy me a copy, Miyamoto novel yeah. <laughs> but in, I'm assu- in Japanese. I'm assuming it's pulpy and I'm assuming it's kind of middlebrow. I, I don't know to what degree it's uh, like. It's, it's like a, it was a pop. Literature. It was a pop kind yeah. of book. Yeah. Well, yeah so it's a, like, literature. Like, oh, oh, it's not literature. Let me take off my Dan Brown tw- wrote it. Dan my Brown tweed, wrote the, my, uh, my tweet. Dan Brown and John Grisham. It was weird. <laughs> Jeez. What a lethal combination. Mushashishi Miyamoto is uh, is the John Grisham of of 1930s Japan for sure. But I think what he does is that he like tr- he he attempts to like take the source material and kind of like um 
elevate it or to make of it something more than just simply like a story about like again like this dude who learns this kind of martial art and then beats the shit out of other dudes i'm resistant to say that he elevated it because i haven't read the original but um you know it's no no i'm going for i'm going to be totally irresponsible and say it sounds like you but i do (laughs) think um there isn't a there there's some things about this movie that are truly beautiful we mentioned the clog thing and there's also this extended sequence close to the end of the film where um shansiro and uh, Shanshiro and Sayu fall in love. Yes, and they with fall the in love with the sandal, like through yes. him bringing the sandal back. Yes. And it always takes place in the same scene. And it's a lot of like framing up and down the stairs. And it's like, it's so quintessentially, at least to me, it's like, it's one of the, it's so modern and it's one of the most, or let's say like, let's say almost contemporary. It's, it feels so like, it could be done that way now. Like it's beautiful. You can, you can feel the time passing and like there's that like thing that Kurosawa does better than anybody, which is like nothing changes, but everything changes and the Mm -hmm. performances are perfectly built so that like you maybe see three exchanges between these two people, but you understand what's happened to their relationship. You know, it's funny too. uh, Well, first, first and foremost, I'm glad that we're, we're totally vibing across the continent that we were like, but we both selected like the same four like scenes in this film that are kind of like, Easily, easily like the most kind of transcendent or the most beautiful ones. Yes. But I didn't think about it before, but I now I notice that there's a lot of Kurosawa and Malik too. So where Malik is like really good or interested in kind of uplifting or finding the spiritual in the most kind of mundane or banal moments or finding beauty where we would not necessarily think to try to find beauty. Yeah, he really, he's patient. Like this is a very patient yes. movie. Yeah. Um, and I think... So I, th- I thought it'd be interesting as we go through and we're looking at these films to think about some of like the thematic ideas or the themes and ideas that we see as consistent across the board. And I, I jotted down a couple for this one. And I'd be curious to hear like if you if I'm missing any. So obviously Number like, one, sandals. Sandals. Sandals Very are a, a theme. Okay, no, spiritual enlightenment <laughs> is a big one. Time passing. I feel like that's a big theme. The I feel time, like sure. love is a bit of a theme. Um, and I feel like... I don't know how to express this in a single world word, but it feels like Kurosawa movies are about competition, but not competition with the other, but with competition with the self. But there's also, um, and it's, it's so again, I there's so much, there's so much Kurosawa that I haven't seen, but one theme that is apparent to me also is like kind of generational struggle. Tell me more about that. Well, I mean, literally in this film, again, you have like these struggles between, let's say like two forms of this of this um like school right of of of, of thinking and of kind of of you mean like jujitsu and judo yeah you right. also have the the fact that again that there's this kind of very again freudian thing where the guy beats the shit out of the woman's dad <laughs> right oh that's interesting if you think about obviously ron and king lear is about generational struggle um you also have again like in, in stray dog you have that kind of like the tension of like the younger cop who is attempting to kind of like ingratiate himself into the system of law that the older cop is kind of obviously like represents same thing with kind of like the seven samurai where Mufuni plays like the young brash like dude who's kind of like a bit off like kind of like off the res he's well, kind of he, like, and he doesn't trust samurai like he yeah he's, yeah he's interesting like there's a definite classic kind of like tate yuka tate Tate Yaku figure in that, which is Mufune, and then there's the opposite of that, which is the 
the younger guy in Seven Samurai. Mm. But I think you're right. The sort of student-teacher relationship feels like it's present, or the older-younger dichotomy is present in every Kurosawa movie. It's true in Snow Trail as well. It's there as well, I think, to some extent. I was going to ask, do you feel like... So I mentioned before this was a sports movie. Right. Do you see it as a sports movie? And if so, what do you think the politics of sports movies are? I mean, it depends what you mean by sports movie. Okay, well, is there a... The reason I thought of this as a sports movie is because it uses the ground... I mean, it's martial arts, which are obviously a sport, but it uses that, like, the 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 movie is as concerned with his, like, spiritual education as it is with his, like, physical education to some extent. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was thinking a little bit... I mean, sports movies, like, that we see... Like, do you have a favorite sports movie? Ooh, good question. Uh, Major League Three. Get the. F- <laughs> no, I've just. Th- oh, geez. I mean, pretty much on the spot. Um, I don't know if I have a face. I mean, like Rocky, obviously, is great if you consider it kind of like a sports movie. Um, a little down on the Rocky movies, if I'm honest. A little down on them. What, but that first the, one, that the first one, hope politics. The, the first one, <laughs> the well, first one's great. Yeah, Come the first. On. Well, I think the first hour of the first one is amazing. I think it's a, it's a really. No, I think it's a great movie. I think the second, the second, what the about, second um, Rocky movie, the first yeah. hour of the second Rocky movie is like my favorite Rocky when he can't get a job and is like totally screwed. I think it's like yeah. very exciting. Um, but the idea of like this movie, so I really like. Um, one of the things with the with the sports movie is that it's kind of like there tends to be this glorification of the individual a little mm-hmm. bit in those movies. And I, uh, you know, like a classic example would be something like Rudy where it's like, let's get this kid to play for two minutes. And that's like what the whole movie is about is like Rocky getting on the field. Um, and then there's movies that comment on it. Like one of my favorite sports movies of all time is any given Sunday. I love any given Sunday because I've never I love- seen it. Oh, <gasps> you've never seen any given. Oh my God, not, dude, no. you got to watch any given Pacino, Sunday. I've probably Jamie, Jamie seen Fox. that movie 15 times and I hate football. I, Bill Bellamy. I know Bill school, Bellamy's in it. I liked it. I liked football kind of now I can't watch it, but I love the shit. But that movie is kind of a comment on like, sports sports would, and capitalism and stuff like i think you would like eat that movie for breakfast that would explain your it. other podcast any given podcast any given spot damn it where you do <laughs> do a minute by minute breakdown of any but given like, sunday it seems like this movie is not trying to be a sports film it's it's just that it fits within the like the the, the parlance of how we talk about it because it is ultimately the the biggest thing that this movie that the, you walk away with in this movie is that after um Sanjiro beats Hansuki Mirai, he becomes close to the family. Right. You know, and then he has to beat Higaki later on, who's kind of like, you know, another another pupil of uh, Mirai, as I recall. In a battle to the death. Does he kill does, him? He does, yeah. They make it very clear. It's a battle to the death. But then, like the guy, the guy who's like officiated the, the battle is like, now I don't want to do this because I'm like, you know, these battles shouldn't be for the death to the death. Totally. But, but I'm gonna kick the, the shit out of this guy. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the lead performance? Um, Susumo Fujita. I feel like he. I mean, again, like I, I feel like he did a good job. I don't know. I was just kind of, um. Maybe it was just my overall just kind of like impression of the film, but I mean, I think he did a good job, like of of some sort of way, like carrying himself in a like this certain kind of imposing physical presence, but not yeah. in any kind of I don't know. I don't. It just again, the entire film to me felt a little kind of uh, off. In he some doesn't sort of way. make a, much of an impression. He doesn't. Yeah. And I gotta wonder if like we had 
seen this film before we've seen any films with Mifune, if it would be a different conversation, because like he's a little bit. So there's the scene just early stiff. on in the film where he's like fighting people mm-hmm. and you're watching it and you're like, why? Like he's kind of like stopping this. Like he's kind of like learned that he's learning the skills of judo, but he's just a, kind of applying it to like stopping these people from like gathering or whatever. Exact. Maybe it's because they're not wearing masks. I don't know. But like there's no clear reason that like he's kind of just brash and ridiculous. And yeah, um, he just doesn't come off like he doesn't he seems sort of wide-eyed and innocent and maybe that's the part of the mm-hmm. point of it but like as an actor he doesn't really he's very different from Mifune he doesn't have the level totally even though Mifune is no thing yet like he just he's a little expressionless and like it's kind of interesting because I was reading about him later as an actor and essentially there were strikes in the late 40s and early 50s at Toho mm-hmm. and he left he left the studio and went somewhere else. And when he came back, he couldn't get quite the same roles that he had before. And he ended up doing a lot of military kind of things. Uh. And he was this like good looking ladies man who ended up doing a ton of parts in military films. And a, there's a, there's an, a story in the Stuart Galbraith book about how he felt very guilty for playing military figures later on uh. in life. This is interesting. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't, I mean, he doesn't he's no have f- the same presence. Yeah, I mean, who is though? You know, me. Like this. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, obviously, um, but you have not. Uh, you know, you've unfortunately you've hidden your talents from the world when it comes to yourself being on screen. So let's say you're you're wanting to watch. Do you think this is a must watch for Kurosawa folks, or if you want yeah, to of to course, because yeah. it's his first film, you gotta. Yeah, that's true, and you can see a lot of his like other stuff coming up. Again, yeah, and also the fact that I mean, you know, I hate talking about films this way, but the fact that it's only like ninety minutes, ninety something minutes, makes it not. No, it's true. Painful like, to sit through. I was looking at like I, you know, you think of um, Seven Samurai is long. It's three twenty. Did you see how long Redbeard is? The last one. No, did not. Three oh five. Can't fucking wait. And apparently, it's like novelistic. Like it's a very, very dense. But like, Jesus! All right. Um, Snow. Tr- so, Speaking uh, yeah, of films that are say, not as good. Oh, oof. I would say it's worth a watch. But yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Snow Trail. So Snow Trail is a rather Hitchcockian film about three bank robbers who get holed up in a lodge up in these mountains, these kind of like secluded mountains. Yeah. Um. So they get stuck there. They've just robbed. They've just committed like a um a robbery. And they're stuck in this lodge with this woman, her father, and this, like, mountaineer. And it's basically just about the tension between the people in the lodge not knowing who their guests are and the bank robbers obviously, like, trying to uh, escape and make a getaway. Yeah, and I think, so it it was directed by uh, Senkichi Taniguchi. Taniguchi. It was written by Akira Kurosawa with um, Taniguchi, and it was produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka. Um so it's probably worth saying that uh, that the tension is predominantly between Ijima, played by Toshiro Mifune, in his screen debut, and Takashi Shimura as Nojiro, who's the older kind of... Takashi Shimura was one of those actors who, I swear to God, he might have been... So this film was made in 1946, right? In 1946, how old was Takashi Shimura? Takashi Shimura in 1946 was... How old do you think Takashi Shimura was in was in 1946? 38. 
Yeah, he was 40. Yeah. This is a guy he looks so who, much older. Who played I like he was I mean he was our age in Sanshiro Sugata. <laughs> which is crazy because he really always comes off as an older like yeah. he just has he always plays the like smart older guy in Kurosawa an old soul. films. Yeah. Um Well again yeah like it just when was Stray, you know, when was Stray Dog? Like, how many years? Only, like, a number, like what, A couple three or four years, years later, yeah. Th- th- yeah, three. Th- two, two years later, two years yeah, after Yeah, two this. years later. And in that, he's he's clearly, like, supposed to be playing a, a dude who's, like, in his, what, right. like, late 40s, early 50s, at least. Yeah. Um, so. Aki, uh, Kakitake Kono plays Honda, their sort of mountain guide. Satsuko Wakayama plays Haruko, the young girl, who um, sort of becomes a stand-in for Takashi Shimura's nojiro's character's daughter who daughter, we find yeah. out die, has died before the film starts um and then the last uh, part major part is kokuten kodo as huruko's grandfather who's a um who is a uh is the is the same guy who is in shanshiro sugata so kind of uh interesting uh i actually made a mistake yoshio kosuki is tagasuji who's the guy that they they um they're the third bank robber if i remember mm-hmm. correctly as well um mifune's fee to be in this movie was uh tanaguchi agreed to buy him new clothes because <laughs> oh mifune God. was showing up on set or showing up uh, at the studio every day because he was training to be an actor and he kept showing up in the same clothes and he mm-hmm. also slept in those clothes Jeez. which is something i read about um kurosawa is in the early days he never changed his clothes at all whoa at all um did you like this movie no I did wow. not like wow. this movie. Hot, hot, <laughs> coming in hot, coming in hot. Uh, yeah, I, there were there again. There were elements of it that I thought were kind of um, interesting and well done. But this, yeah, I don't know. It just it, it did not do it for me at all. I, again, some of the tension I thought was great. I loved it when like Mifuni was on screen. He's actually, even though he's he plays one of the major uh, roles in the film, he's not. I mean, he's central, I guess, but he's still also kind of like a bit. It doesn't revolve around him. He gets top billing, which is interesting and probably a move by the studio to get more attention on their younger stars. Because, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a showcase for Takashi Shimura as totally, yeah, who is great in it. I liked this movie. I found it hard to watch. Um, I find these. I find it harder to watch older films during the day. I watched this during the day, and I was just like. Oh boy, it's a it's a it's a it's a very um, slow kind of film. It takes its time. What did you think? So the first two scenes of the movie almost function like early yes. scenes in Shakespearean histories, oh, where that, you geez. get or 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 dramas or I was the say dramas, Greek Greek tragedies or those. Yeah, well, it's the same thing where you have characters we're never going to see again functioning as a kind of chorus in the first scene it's the police trying to find these bank robbers on the mountain and the Mm -hmm. second scene is two innkeeper worker types talking about the bank robbers and we never see these characters again it feels like it goes on forever before we get to um Ijima Nojiro and Tagasuji, right? Or it's I just... forgot. I forgot about those two dudes because there's like some banter. There's like some sort of like comedic. You read too many like mystery novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's because and it was like, oh, right. Like I'm, I'm assuming. Well, at some point also, I thought like, oh, they're at the lodge. Well, and there's also that comedic scene, right, where they're like in the sauna or in the, the spa, the water together. Remember that? Yes. And they, yeah, yeah, and they're looking. Yeah. They want to see his hand because right, he's missing fingers. Right. So like, there's this. Yeah. You, oh, totally. 
There, there, um, there's what works weird for moments. me about this movie is the kind of I don't know if it's a Bill Dung's roman so much, but it is again the spiritual. Not. It's not, but there is the spiritual. Um, the way that um, Shimura's character changes from like criminal to reluctant, uh, reluctantly involved with the like kind of violence that Mifune is a part of to like mm-hmm. outright wanting to save Honda's life and not wanting to, um, he just, he just changes. He sort of like is reminded of, of his daughter and his life before he became a bank robber. Um, and I thought that that was really effective and I cared very much about his character. I think Takashi Shimura has like the greatest eyes in all of movie history because mm-hmm. he just, he has like the most innocent, nice, nicest eyes. And like, there's a scene at the end where he's looking out the window at the snow and kind of trying yeah. to find before he goes off to jail, probably. Um, but I, it's, it's a slog to get there. I'm glad that I got to the end of this movie, but I don't know that I'm like a hundred percent. I don't know if it's it's a it's a great it's a great opportunity to see Shimura and um, Mifune before they do like kind of their great roles. But yeah, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Mifune. What'd you, uh, what you what 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 kind of performance is this? Obviously, like it's early. The material isn't, I think, kind of up to his talents. But again, he does like what Mifune almost always does. Uh, and that he exhibits a variety of different amazing like emotions and amazing different kind of he brings a lot to a character that isn't really much of a character see i don't see it i actually think it's kind of one-dimensional do you really i mean like i mean it is but that's what i'm saying but they're like are like he inhabits the role or like when there are these moments when he's on screen where you could tell like he is activating something or at least attempting to bring something to the character that isn't there that's true well one thing i think the movie does very well is make him feel excluded from the kind of relationship that shimura um develops with the family and how he he, there's something good in the so like mifune didn't want to be an actor he didn't care about acting like he there's a quote from the galbraith book where he's like i didn't want to do anything that like involves my face like i don't want like i don't want to i don't want to rely on my face to make a living which is crazy because he has like i think agreed upon like one of the most beautiful faces in the history of movies he's a good looking dude yeah um but he didn't want to rely on that and i think his almost like i don't give a fuck attitude is what made him such a great actor Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of it's almost like I sometimes wonder if like his sort of like I don't care attitude manifests in the movie. He's just very like whatever. Uh, this is ridiculous. Like I want to get out of here. I don't know why we're with these people. Like it's just an interesting kind of like very raw performance. But you can sort of there's something about the character that he's not as maybe as smart as the other people in the movie or as warm. Mm-hmm. And you can see him playing with the tension of like not really understanding the familial relationships that are going on in the movie or or. Yeah. To some extent, the um, the customs relationships, like when he gets angry at the old man for not letting him take uh, the mate for the old man for making him take the last shower, and the mm-hmm. guy's like, "Why would I let you take the first shower? You didn't do anything to help." And yeah. he just seems like kind of thrown by that. I think is very strong. It's just funny though because when you compare this to like his his role in Stray Dog, where that character like really cares. <laughs> You know, yeah, like he's like, he he's, really he's, does. Yeah, he's like so sincerely invested in what he's doing. Um, whereas, again, in so many of his other characters, he's again like this flippant, like arrogant, um, 
cocky like dude but like right. in stray dog he like really inhabits like the innocence or the um yeah the urgency of that like young cop who's like oh shit like my career you know like i just started being a cop and my career's already over that kind of thing yeah and i i think you know it's it's worth noting that like he doesn't become famous for parts in uh samurai edo era films until later so it it feels like here he's playing all contemporary characters and like mm-hmm. in the case of this film he's kind of playing obviously like a outsider from society in the sense that he's a bank robber and like wants to steal this money and then we're, you're going to see him in um you know where he plays a yakuza in uh, drunken angel and it's like he really does do angst quite well yeah. whether it's like an mm-hmm. angst of professional kind of angst where he's concerned about his job or in the angst that he does in this which is like um a kind of like angry violent like sociopathic kind of rage in this character that's really really interesting but yeah it just doesn't i almost think he's a little bit hamstrung by the material completely totally yeah yeah it doesn't quite like it doesn't quite get there for me though i one thing i think is interesting is that i feel like you see shades of uh kurosawa's later great film um high and low in this because what in the uh early um procedural scenes okay when you see the cops because Mm -hmm. high and low i know you haven't seen high and low but the it's it's like it's almost like two different equally amazing movies the first hour being Mufune's character is very prominent in the first hour and then almost disappears in the second hour of the movie um as the cops close in on a on a kidnapper and it's like a procedural so you can kind of see the kind of fascination with the crime stuff in this movie and obviously it's a it's a different kind of part but I feel like I wonder to bring it back I I'm sure that Kurosawa saw this movie and was like hey I think Mifune can do a lot more with he's a really, really there's that famous quote from Kurosawa where he says that like most actors require 10 feet of film to get an idea across and Mifune can do it in three feet of film. Mm -hmm. He's like speed of reaction is so strong and you have to wonder, I mean, obviously he saw this film, he saw the dailies and was like, holy shit. Yeah. This guy can act. Yeah. He's a presence without question. And I think it's interesting to come back to that idea of like the kind of in that New York times quote where they say that he, he, uh, he brought a sense of ironic self-knowledge. Like he's thoughtful. You can see him thinking his way through this movie. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, totally. Um, So it's interesting to think about like what maybe like, like that disdain, let's say for, being on set or just having the camera pointed at him that you were kind of saying like, Oh, maybe this is just kind of like in some sort of way an annoyance at a professional demand. Like, Oh, like I'm an actor. This is my job. And I like hate doing it. But also, I mean, I read it more as just kind of like this, um, discomfort of like, I mean, like, I don't know, discomfort of being in the world or a certain sense of like existential, ennui that i think like he brings to like a lot of his character that's a really interesting well he wanted to be a cameraman right yeah that's yeah he's on the opposite side of the camera that he wants to be on and talk about the dialectic talk more about that don't please don't what Um, what happens liam when the cameras are on you but i do think (laughs) to that point the idea of this guy 
you know, looking back on the first film, when you're seeing this kind of, this film made in 1941 about a guy who's kind of like, tries to, wants to learn this martial art, is kind of resistant to the spiritual side of it, and then grows over the course of the movie. To see that as this film that Kurosawa writes in 1941 about like a traditional kind of Japanese cultural thing to then write this movie where the main character not only does the actor not want to do what he's assigned to do like you're the Mm -hmm. actor but he also plays a guy who like does not want to live in society in the way that other people does like he steals money and he's a criminal and he does all these things like it's interesting to see that in just a six-year period we get a wholly different kind of movie from a director and he uses he mufune plays the kind of non-traditional for lack of a better word, character, the like young brash person that has no connection to like his hometown as Shimura does. Like he's yeah. Shimura is like thinking wistfully. He hears the old Kentucky home song and he doesn't know what it is, but he's like, That's he right, thinks about yeah. his daughter and his life. And Mifune is like, Hey, can we go? I want my money. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I totally also forgot about that. The use of that um, song. It's in, really interesting. In the movie. Yeah, it is a really interesting kind of like, yeah, just, I, I mean, I was thinking about that. I was like, geez, what is this, like, really folksy, like, American song doing in the middle of this film? Well, and this film's from 1947. So where are we in terms of, like, that's... We're, we're post-war, obviously. We're post-war but, at this yeah. point. And, like, you know, American kind of cultural... It's America's probably influence on Japan is definitely starting to play a, a part in the yeah, yeah, yeah thing and it's just interesting that that song becomes like a sentimental thing you know like for this other character it becomes a way for him to kind of again like reconnect with this lost past do you think the movie has any sympathy for the mafune ijima the Mm, the character not not really you think it's kind of do you think it's moralistic foil yeah of course it's moralistic totally yeah i wonder also again it's like if if the screenplay is kurosawa attempting to again like do something more commercial or to do something that he knows that he thinks people would like because there is a certain kind of i mean the ending isn't happy in a traditional sort of way but but it is a kind of like well this is the right thing to do it's a redemption kind of thing yeah and so part of me is like hmm like thinking about again like the kurosawa in rashomon who was pissed or annoyed that he had to like redo the ending because the studio was like, no, your ending is too dour. Put right. a fucking put a fucking baby in there, and make it, and then some sort of like optimistic note. Right. So I wonder, you know, and obviously, like again, like writers and artists are complicated. <laughs> Whatever's happening at any given moment doesn't necessarily mean it defines their entire career. But it is, for me at least, interesting to think about. Like, well, again, was he? attempting to make this kind of film because he wanted to make a certain kind of like popular, again, like Hitchcockian suspense film that ends on a rather positive rather than a negative note. And I think that it's worth noting that it is interesting that this movie, two things are interesting. One regarding that, you know, because they worked for, they were contracted to studios and not independent artists. um, He, had to write movies. You know what I mean? Like he was writing yeah, this, yeah, yeah. he was right working on another omnibus film and he was writing, I believe he was also writing uh, his film, one beautiful Sunday, if I remember correctly. So like he had to, they, they sort of was an output they had to match. And um, you know, things had gotten slightly better because the studio people had food. I think at this point there's, there were days when they were shooting these movies and everyone was starved because there was God. no food. Um, yeah. But uh, 
it's interesting to think about that, like how much of it is the result of, I, I think we all tend to think of it as like films as an expression, like an artistic expression, but there's also obviously in this case very much a, a need for a production, like just make the fucking make movie, the fucking which, mo- yeah, yeah, which yeah. I think results in some of the most interesting like, stuff ever like the idea of I, I i'm always fascinated by like a time when they'd be like this week you're working on this movie next week you're working on this movie and, and the things that resulted from that because when you think about that on a larger scale like that's how you get people like michael cortez the great director of casablanca like they were just making movies all the time and you were assigned a movie or and they're incredible craftsmen and like kurosawa kind of straddles this line lo- an interesting line between being a studio director like his career started in the studio and then eventually he ends up making incredibly important expressionistic films that express things that he cares about because of the intervention of people like Coppola and Lucas who like later yeah. would give him money to finish things like he kind of straddles both worlds in a way that Mifune kind of straddles like this kind of he Mifune might be the an, a fairly early example of the cool bad guy. He's really cool in this movie. He mm-hmm. looks good. His hair yeah. looks good. Like he smokes a cigarette well. He drinks the sake well. <laughs> like he kind of he's in later movies. He's going. He's always cool, mm-hmm. even yeah. when he's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's funny too because earlier today I, I thought like, oh shit, he's kind of like Marcello Mastroianni in that sense. Like they're like just totally yes cool fucking dudes or like uh, again i mentioned it the other day but like denzel washington in training Mm -hmm. day is cool by the end of the movie you're like this guy's a garbage (laughs) person but he's cool in a way that like he's a badass susumu fugata from shansiro Fugata. he's never cool you're kind of like this guy's like a young guy doing his thing whatever Mifune is cool and part of the reason he's cool is because of his the conflicted nature of him as a performer and character yes and it's a different like you could tell that the one actor like it's interesting right to think about like well what is like uh, like what is acting I guess but like not thinking or not being really self-conscious of the fact that the camera is on you but like it's interesting then maybe to think about like Mifune in a sense of like, no, he's cool as shit because like he knows the camera's on him and he like could care less or that he's like annoyed by that fact. And that becomes like something that he performs. Right. It's it's a really interesting thing about acting. Like, no, I don't. I think most good uh, for an I remember. I mean, for an actor to forget there's a camera on them is insane because insane, you have yeah. to hit marks and you have to hit beat. like there's the technical knowledge of it. And there's also the fact that like you have to learn to play to it. And Mifune seems to be like both really good at that, but also maybe disinterested because yeah. he didn't want to be an actor. Right. So he gets away with stuff. Like he's got that thousand yard stare in mm-hmm. like a lot of his movies where you're just like, if Muf- Toshiro Mifune looked at me that way, I'd be like, Ooh God. <laughs> but um, so I always picture him at his audition for Toho sitting there and staring at the, the judges, so to speak. And they must've been like, is this guy going to murder yeah, us? Yeah. <laughs> so he feel it it feels like he's very kind of modern in the sense that like he's like a classically good looking long haired dude and he's wearing we're seeing him in traditional clothes and so much of the images we see of like japanese films in the west is like people in samurai outfits fighting with swords in a field and like there's something really interesting about how the first four movies we see him in i guess two or three he's playing like a modern figure who's kind of conflicted about the world modern 
modern yeah. you know but yeah. like yeah i guess yeah. maybe the better contemporary. word contemporary contemporary would be a better right. word like our early images of him and the one but the ones that people don't know as well i think yeah you know shit i forgot i was gonna say something about mafuni maybe if i sing it'll come to me Mifune. but it's not Mifune. coming Mafuni, Mafuni, i think that at that point we wrap it up um that's it you have anything else yeah Actually, I remember what I wanted to say. Go, just please. very, bri- just very briefly. It's interesting to think about these films. Oh, this guy! Oh my God, fifty. I'm gonna get a 47. sandwich. I'll be oh. back. Um, just as as, as um experiments or exercises in genre. That's what I wanted to say. So thinking about it again, Kurosawa is like a craftsman, is like working within this kind of like like again, you're just making movies, you're working on them as like products, or you're just kind of like turning them out. But thinking about them as like again, exercises in a certain kind of genres, I think is interesting because obviously I think like the generic stuff uh, will become more prevalent later on. So like obviously like noir, like um, yeah. more like more like traditional like samurai films. So I'm really kind of interested in kind of thinking about them also as these two great artists like working within particular genres and like blowing them up. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the he had a pretty profound influence on filmmakers who wanted to make genre films later yeah. on but do something else with them i think um i mean it's an obvious example but i think like spielberg is a totally good example of a guy who could make any type of movie but always brings that like personal edge to it no matter how you might feel about some of his movies jaws There's, too uh yeah. buildings roman about the uh, about the shark about oh that's the right shark. the shark at the beginning is, yeah yeah the shark shows up in the water and he's like i want to learn to swim yes. and they're like, like no you're gonna learn to bite i don't like, know wh- what am I? And they're like, you're a shark. Why, why am I cursed with this thirst for human blood? <laughs> that movie really did a disservice to sharks. Of course it did. Are you kidding me? It was like yeah. the, like the, a fucking, yeah, no, it did. It was I horrible. Feel bad. I feel bad for sharks. Yeah. I hope um, they win that lawsuit against Spielberg, actually. I'm rooting yeah, for them. Yeah, the sharks, sharks v. Spielberg. <laughs> Shark Defamation League. You know, he's making um, a sequel this year. West Side to- Story. Because of the Wait. sharks in West Side Story. Oh. Da, 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 da. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. Kill me. Sharks and jets, baby. Isn't that what it is? I don't know. It's, it's fine. I've never seen West Side Story. <laughs> Neither have I. But I believe there uh, are sharks and there are jets. Well, this was on, this on this note. has been the show. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna do more, we're, hey. a lot more Akira Kurosawa, Akira Kurosawa, and Toshiro Mafune coming your way. Please. You know what I'm going to try to do? I meant to say this. I'm going to try to write short reviews of this thing on these movies on Letterboxd. So find ah. me on Letterboxd just to... Re- and rate, review, and subscribe, thing. people. And please rate, review, subscribe to the show. No new reviews because we recorded two episodes two days in a row and <laughs> we're not that popular. All um, the content. Uh, well, this was... Uh, this was the show with deep dives by <laughs> this Dialectical is the show. Dudes. This is the show. This is the show, um, I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fregopoulos. And this was... Oeuvre Busters. Motherfucker. Whoa. Don't swear. Sorry. Sorry. Oh. I-, I love you all. Bye. I love you all. Bye.